As you're finding your seat, I encourage you to take a copy of Scripture and uh, open up to the book of Hebrews. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, we've got one that you can use. You should be able to find one underneath one of the seats in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, um, you are welcome to take that home with you. That's our gift to you. Um, if, um, uh, if that could be a blessing to you, we're, we're happy to, uh, to give that to you. Um, as you're making your way to uh, Hebrews, I uh, just wanted to share one more kind of update in the life of our church, um, you know, being a relatively new church, this doesn't happen all that often for us, but um, it certainly is a part of uh, just life as a church family together. Uh, many of you uh, probably saw the email, but um, uh, this past week, uh, one of our members, uh, Julie Olson, uh, went home to be with the Lord, and she passed away on Wednesday night, and um, sorry, I wasn't expecting to be emotional about it, but she was such a special, special woman, and if you knew her, um, then you knew her. Uh, she, <laughs> she was just such a woman of joy, and um, she uh, hadn't been able to join us in person very much over the last uh, couple of years, uh, just with some of the health challenges and things that she was walking through, um, but uh, she was with us on Sunday, uh, just last week, and um, I, I spoke with her, and she, I'll never forget, I mean, she just said, I just felt in my heart I had to be here this week. And I had to be here today, and I was gonna. Nothing was gonna stop me from getting to church today. And she was just so overjoyed to be able to worship together and to be with her church family um, here together. And um, yeah, Wednesday night, um, she uh, passed in her sleep um, from a heart attack, and and so she is um, is with the Lord. And um, she, uh, many of the health challenges and struggles that she had for so long are no more. Amen. And that walker that she had is no needed, and not no longer needed, and um, and uh, we're just um, yeah saddened by it, but also you know rejoicing in the hope that she has. And so there's going to be a service here on Tuesday at 11. If you're um, able to make it, want to come, um, you're all invited to be a part of that, and um, just uh, remember her and celebrate her life and. Um, and, and just to be able to um, remember her. And, um, and you can be praying for that. We want to um, have her life point to the hope and the joy that she found in Jesus Christ. And so um, we're going to be sharing. So you can be in prayer for that and in prayer for the, um, the family and many loved ones. She was um, loved by, um, by many, many people. And so, um, yeah, I just wanted to uh, let us know about that. Well, let's uh, turn our attention to God's Word now, and uh, we're continuing on in our study in the book of Hebrews, and uh, this morning we're coming to um, uh, probably um, what is one of the most uh, complicated passages um, in the entire book. Um, not probably, it is. It's, it's, I mean, there's entire books uh, written about uh, the passages that we're looking at this morning. Um, there have been uh, divisions in the church over um, this very topic that we're looking at this morning, and I'll tell you from the outset, we're not going to like cover all of it. We're not going to go maybe as deep as we could, uh, certainly, um, but it's a needed and an important part in our journey through the book of Hebrews. And uh, the part that we're coming to today actually serves as a bit of a warning sign. Um, you know, we have warning signs all over the place, right? We have um, things in our home that come with warning signs. Some of you rip that off and, and um, you know, you don't like the sight of that sticker, so you take that off. But as you drive, as you, um, you know, are, are in any sort of public place, there's, there's signs that kind of give us warnings, right? Tell us. Of, of things that we need to be mindful of. The book of Hebrews is full of many warning signs. And so this today is a warning sign. And it's all kind of framed under, the title this morning is Growing in Maturity. Um, the, uh, the challenge or sort of the exhortation is to grow up in maturity in your walk with Jesus. 
And if you don't, then, then there's a warning that comes along uh, with this. If, 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 this is not, um, if this is not what you're doing and who you are, then, then, then there's, there's some warnings in this. And we've said from the beginning that the, um, the, the group that was receiving this letter, uh, the group of believers, Jewish believers that was receiving this letter were discouraged. Some of them were um, in, in, in danger of walking away and, 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 and giving up their, their, uh, their faith in Christ. They hadn't yet, but, but that was, that's the sense you get as you read through it, that that was very close. And so this morning, what we see is in this passage, we actually come to what I would say is the main obstacle in their faithful following of Jesus. This is what seems to be the main obstacle in the faith. And I'll tell you what it is right off the bat. It was a lack of maturity in the people. And so there's a huge encouragement, right? The, the letter has been so encouraging. It's talked about just the greatness and the supremacy, like lifting up high the person of Jesus Christ. And it talks about the rest that's found in Jesus, right? Last week, we looked at the throne of grace and just what a great high priest we have and just the amazing love that, that God has for his people. But what comes here this morning is kind of on the heels of that is also, but, but you know, don't take this for granted. Like, you need, to, you need to dig in. You need to grow in this. This isn't something that just kind of comes naturally. And so um, there's some, um, some maturing that has to happen so let's just get into it, and then we're going to see from God's Word um, what it has to say all about this topic of growing in maturity. Let's begin in verse 11 of chapter 5. So Hebrews 5, uh, verse 11, it says this, About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid Food. Uh, here's the first thing that we see about maturity is that your maturity in Christ, that's what we're talking about, not just like kind of, you know, becoming more mature person, but maturity in Christ is expected. It's something that's expected for all that are following Jesus. There's a, there's a growth, a maturity, a development that is expected of all of us. And you can see here in verse 11, it says, we have much to say about this. What's this? Well, it's the preceding chapter. Um, it's, it's, it's what he just was talking about. So right before this, we looked at this last week. He said that Jesus is our great high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And he's like, I could tell you more about it. And actually, this would serve for you a very helpful encouragement, a needed tool for you in your faith in the Lord. But I can't because you're a little dull of hearing. You, you need to grow up in maturity. Like, I have so much more for you that it would be helpful to you, but you're not ready to receive it yet. And he says here, he says, since you have become dull of hearing, the idea is not that they don't hear, but that they're not listening. Um, the best illustration I could give is many of you have flown, um, and the same thing happens at the beginning of every flight, right? Um, as you sit down, they give all those announcements. And if you've flown before, maybe your first time, like you're dialed in, by time two or three, like you're like headphones on, doing your stuff, right? You're not listening to that announcement. Like you don't, you, you're like, I'll figure out the exit if it comes to it, right? Like I know how a seatbelt works. I like, who doesn't? Like raise your hand, you know, like everyone knows this. Like I, I yes, I'll put my airbag on before helping the person next to me. I got it, okay? Like, right, so you're not listening to it sometimes. And I think that's what was happening here is that there was sort of this, this okay, I got it, I got it, good, good, good. And this dull in hearing, not hearing just how rich these truths are or a willingness to go deeper into it. 
And so he's saying here, he's like, I have more that I could say, but it's hard to explain to you because you've become dull of hearing. You've sort of tuning it out. You're not listening anymore. He says, though, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you. So they've been following Jesus long enough that they should be the one that's up in front, and, and they're the ones teaching others. And what he's saying is, is like, no, you're not in the, able to be in the spot of teachers yet. Like, I have to still instruct you. I have more to teach you and tell you. It's like you've graduated, and you don't know what you're going to do with that degree, right? It's like, yeah, that happens sometimes. And, and so they, they've, they've learned, but it hasn't, it hasn't translated into what it needs to. And so what, notice what it says. It says you ought to be teachers. And so there we see that maturity is it's expected. It's expected of the church. And so they're not as far along as maybe they should be. And it says here you need someone to teach again the basic principles of the oracles of God. And then he says you need milk, not solid food. So the idea here is that milk is, is what, uh, like, everyone begins on milk, Right? Like every, every baby that's ever been born like begins with milk. And so that's where you get those nutrients. That's where you begin to grow. And so, but at some point, you move on from milk, and there is that solid food. And so he's kind of comparing this to, it's kind of like, you got this picture here. It's like he's kind of putting together this, this kind of comparison between the milk and the solid food. Those of you that eat early, like I'm sorry to kind of show you a steak in the middle of a sermon, like you can go get one later. Those of you that don't like steak, I'm, I'll be praying for you. I'm sorry you're missing out on one of God's greatest blessings to people. Um, but, but this is kind of the comparison. He's like, you should be eating steak. Like there's some truths that are solid food, rich, deep, like just precious truths of God that are found in his word. But you're not, you haven't moved on to that yet. You're still drinking milk. Man, I thought that by now we would be out of milk in the Jacobson house. Like our, our youngest is five. And so maybe this happened in your house if you guys had multiple um, kids. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, they, again, the baby bottle kind of moves away. Well, at some point, the bottle moved for Levi into what he calls warm hot chocolate. And I love messing with him. I'm like, do you want warm chocolate? He's like, no, I want warm hot chocolate. I'm like, oh, you want hot chocolate? He's like, no, I want warm hot chocolate. So it's like warm hot chocolate. All that it is, is it's, a, it's, it's very specific. He used to want to color coordinate the lids and the cups, but it's a sippy cup. And we put milk in it with just a little bit of Hershey's syrup. So it's just like, like not much, okay? So we're not giving our kids like chocolate milk all the time, just like a touch. It's like barely anything in there. And then he wants it warmed up, and then he will sit and drink that, and he usually cuddles with Bear, and he wants to usually watch something or chill out or something. It's just kind of this whole thing that he has. Like it's this whole vibe that he's like kind of just very into, and, and he isn't like me. So we've been trying to wean him off of this. So he's down to like one a day, but he likes to push it, right? Like he's like, he's like can I have another warm hot chocolate? Like can we get another round around here? And like, like no, you can't. You already had one. And he'll like, he works it. And man, I'll tell you, um, dad, he doesn't get that. Mom, I mean, she like, she's been like tough with all the girls. Comes to the boy, and she's like, sure, you can have. I mean, she's like always just like, you know, anything he wants, he's getting. But he's still on this warm, hot chocolate. And at some point, like I keep wondering, I mean, now he's five, he's going to kindergarten next year. I'm like, I'm trying to picture, like, is he going to be in middle school? And like his friends come over, and he's like, hey, guys, just give me a minute. I'm just going to get my warm, hot chocolate, right? And he like kind of has the sippy cup, and he's just like sitting there, you know, sort of drinking, you know, he's like, <laughs> he's heading out like to, you know, his job when he's like a junior or senior, and he's like got the warm, hot chocolate, you know, and he's like driving in the car, you know, and sipping on that. Like at some point, right, he's going to move out of that. 
It would be weird if he didn't. That's the point here, is that we move on, we move from the milk to the solid food. And he's saying, he's like, listen, guys, it's kind of weird that you haven't yet. Like, you need to mature. And not just mature to solid food. Like, you need to mature to the rich food. Because some of you, some of you and your kids, or maybe this is still you, like, this is what you think maturing in your foods is. is like, you've moved on to this. Like, mac and cheese and chicken nuggets, right? And this is like, you, some of you are looking at that, you're like, oh, man, I'd eat that for lunch. That is for lunch, actually. It's like, that's, I, I still like that. But the idea is not that you just kind of like slowly advance, but that you're, you're moving to the rich, the deep truths of God and what he has for us in Christ. Look at the text again with this kind of picture in mind. Look at it. It says, for you by this time ought to be teachers, but you need someone to teach you. Again, the basic principles of the oracles of God, you need milk, not solid food. He's like, you should be, you should be eating food, but you haven't yet. And here's the reality is that we all start immature, all of us. We begin in our sin. We begin in our deficiencies, in our unsanctified state, right? And as you come to Christ, you begin your journey, your life, your walk with Christ immature. Like, I don't expect my kids to be more mature than they are. Like, my son is five. He's, it's okay for him to be five. I expect him to act like a five-year-old, not a 15-year-old. But then when my son becomes 15, I'm going to expect him to act like a 15-year-old, not a five-year-old anymore, right? But I'm not expecting him to be a 25-year-old. Like, there's a process to it. Here's why I want to kind of make sure that we start on this point, is it is so expected that we are growing in our walk with Jesus. Let's, let's, let's apply it to our lives, though. How are you growing now? Like, is there a spot maybe that you've stopped? Have you moved? Maybe you've moved from milk, but, but, but spiritually, if you're honest, there's a lot of, like, mac and cheese and nuggets, that like your spiritual meal is composed of. You go back to some of the same truths over and over again, or you kind of have the same sort of things that you do. And are you learning? Are you, are you understanding all that God would have for you? Have you moved beyond the milk? Have you moved to the solid food? How is God revealing himself in deeper and better ways to you through his word? See, we all need to be growing. It's expected and so we need to be moving in this, part, in this process. And so I would just ask you that. Like, what's God teaching you right now? What have you grown in in this last year? Look back five years. Like, how, has, how have you developed as a follower of Jesus? What sin was prevalent then that isn't now? Right? What truth do you cling to now that you didn't even know a year ago? What ministry have you taken on? What gift are you using for the kingdom that you weren't even confident of a few years ago? Like, there should be movement. It's called the Christian life. It's not just this religion or sort of this, like, like we're living out this walk with Jesus and this maturity, this development is expected. And just to be clear, like, what, what the writer is doing here, he's not shaming them. He's not like, hey, guys, okay. Like you're all acting like a bunch of toddlers when you should. He's not shaming them, but what he's trying to do is lovingly exhort them and say, listen, I'm not shaming you, but it is something you need to address. Like this is a thing. And so I wonder, you know, who, who of us here, like I think we should all take stock and take inventory. Are we moving toward maturity in our walk with Jesus? Not as a, like a middle, like amount of shame, but, but, but because we want to know more of who Christ is. We want to grow in him. This is where it begins. 
In the same way that lovingly a parent helps move their child from milk to solid food, the author of Hebrews is trying to encourage us to do the same. How are we moving into these deeper, deeper truths of who Jesus is? Let's continue on. It says, you need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works or of faith toward God or of instruction about washings or the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and the eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Not only is our maturity in Christ expected, but we need to understand that the maturity in Christ is a process. It doesn't happen all at once. It's kind of the step-by-step, walk-by-walk, like day-by-day, um, incremental journey. And you get that, right? You see the, the, the language of a process. Verse 14, when it says that they have been trained, the powers of discernment have been trained says, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, right? You see the movement there. It's from one place to another, this developing, this building up in that. And so your maturity in Christ is a process. How do we grow in this process? What does it look like? Well, it says, everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness as he is a child. That word of righteousness, it's, it's the word of God, is a huge part, a huge piece of this. If we want to grow in maturity, we need the word of God present in us. How do we grow in maturity using the word of God? I came up with four ways, and they all start with P. Those of you that love it, awesome. Those of you that hate it, then come up with your own words. But mine all start with P. All right? How do we grow in maturity with God's word? Well, it begins with prioritizing God's word. Right? Like we, we recognize what it is, and we say, hey, this is an authority in my life. And if, if, the, if the Bible says it, then it's true, and then it means something for me. And so it starts with a priority, but then it begins, and then it works itself out in action. So it's both attitude and action. So if this is a priority, then it means that I'm willing to study and to apply myself to it, to actually open it up, and more than just open it, but to actually study and, and look at it and, and learn from it. And you don't have to just do it on your own. There's tons of great tools and resources and things. I mean, you can listen to things. You can read things. You've maybe heard me say this before, but I'm really down on when somebody, I tell, you know, recommend a book or recommend a resource, and I'm like, oh, I just don't really like to read. As Christians, I just don't know how we don't like to read. Like, I get that. I get that that's maybe where you're at, but ask God to grow that. Maybe that's the next step in your maturity is that you're going to get a little better at reading. I used to hate reading. And then I realized that, man, if I'm going <laughs> to teach the Word of God, i got to do a lot of reading. Like, now I read so much, and I love it. I used to hate it. But it was, it was the discipline of doing it over and over and over again that I started to glean. And I, I like doing it now because I see what it brings. I, I learn things that I wouldn't learn otherwise. I would encourage you. I mean, if, 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 if maybe it's the reading that's hard. I mean, we now have so many audio resources. We gave away the, the, the subscription. We're going to, you know, we'll re, re-announce it in Father's Day. But we got a subscription to, uh, the, you know, the audio Bible. Like, like, listening is so good. But I listen to tons of books. Now, sometimes if I say I read a book, you can all call me on it and say, did you read it or did you listen to it? I probably listened to it. Because I like to listen while I mow. I like to listen while I drive. I like to listen, like, all the time. I'm, like, listening to books all the time. But I figured out I can listen to things and hear why do I share all that? Just to say that, listen, 
I have to, though, make the time, make the investment, and listen and read and study to learn more about this book. If I don't apply it, if it's not a priority in my life, then it's, I'm never going to grow in it. Second P, practice God's word. Right here from our text, it says, solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained, trained by what? By constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Some of us are so exhausted because it feels like all the time we're sorting out, is this good or is this evil? Is this right? Is this wrong, right? Is this godly or ungodly? How do I respond to this? I mean, we are in a constant onslaught, like bombarded all the time, by all these worldviews and thoughts and ideas and different things. And listen, that's what we're doing. We're constantly training and growing in maturity by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And so if it feels like you're constantly having to distinguish good from evil, like that's, that's part of the maturity. And a mature person knows, they can recognize, they can spot it. Why? Because Christ is sanctifying, he's teaching, he's leading in that. And so we practice the word of God by distinguishing good from evil, putting it into practice. We do the things that bring God pleasure, that glorify him, and we avoid the things that don't. I mean, it's super simple, but that's, that's ultimately what the practice is. It's, it's doing the things that God has called us to. Third, we pray God's word. We want to involve and invite the Holy Spirit to work. We do this through prayer. You should take the word of God and then pray these things. You could pray this passage. Like a great prayer this week would be, God, could you help me leave the elementary doctrine? Would you show me where I'm still drinking milk and I need more solid food in my diet? Right? Like those are prayers that you can pray right from this passage. God, show me where I'm still a child and where I need to mature. God, help me to be an instrument to others to help them to mature. If you're a parent, I mean, pray this for your kids. Would, would God, would you give me wisdom in how to best raise and shepherd and lead my children so that they can raise them up? And like all of those great prayers involve the Holy Spirit using the word of God. And third, or fourth, sorry, preach the word of God. Preach the word of God, not just to others, but also to yourself. Preach to yourself and preach to others. Take these truths, and when you find yourself, I mean, we just sang it a little bit ago, right? I will not be anxious. Why? Because, Jesus, you are near. Those are the words of the song that we just sang. That's a great truth to preach. So when you find yourself in that moment of anxiousness, to preach the truth of God's word and say, Jesus, you're in this. Jesus, you have the ability to work in this. And so you've said that I don't have to be anxious, but I can lay it at your feet. I can give it to you. I can submit this to you. And so that's preaching to yourself. That's what, like, it's a really good way of, like, talking to yourself is what that is, right? So preach to yourself, but also preach to others. Help share this truth with those that know, that don't know. I mean, take the word of God and make it known. Share it with others. This is how we grow in Christ. We use the word of God. There's other ways, but that's really where he's going on. He's saying, like, we're not just coming back to this foundation. These would have been kind of current issues for them. This foundation of repentance from dead works or faith in God, instruction about washing. That's not baptism. That's like ritual, ceremonial washing that the Jewish people would have done. The laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment, all would have been kind of hot topic things. He's not saying that those are unimportant, but what he's saying is you need to move on from those. You don't abandon those. Like, man, I've studied, I've read, I mean, you're gonna read this book hopefully multiple, multiple, multiple times throughout your life. You never move on from this. 
There's so many good, like you can read the same story, the same passage, the same verses over and over again, and you're going to hear and, and recognize new things from it. The word of God is living and active. So it's not saying that you like kind of abandon certain truths and move on to others. He's like, but you need to, there, there are others that you move on to. And so that's what he's encouraging here is, is this, this process. Let's continue on. Let's get to, um, this is the tricky part right here, verse four. It says this, for it is impossible in the case of those who have been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and who have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away, it's impossible to rescue, or sorry, restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful for those uh, for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Let me give you the point, and we'll unpack these verses together. Your maturity in Christ is your protection. What the author is trying to encourage the people with is that as they mature in Christ, as they are in Christ, that that is going to protect them from what's happening right here, this, this drifting away from the, elemental, the foundational truths of Christ. This is why this is so debated, is because it's, it's like, well, is this written about believers or unbelievers? Like, this letter is written to believers, but well, who's he talking about here? Because it says that it's impossible that those who have been enlightened, tasted the heavenly spirit, shared in the Holy Spirit, it's impossible for them to be restored again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God. If I can, I just want to kind of cut to the chase and, and just share, you know, I'll, I can show some of my work, but, but I want to tell you what, what I, I believe this is about. I, I do not believe he's writing at this moment talking about believers. These are unbelievers, or maybe they've professed belief, but they are unsaved. Because there's a couple ways that you can kind of look at it. Like, I mean, we can all think of someone who has professed a faith in Christ, who looked like they were believing they were on that track of following Jesus, and then they walked away. And the question is, is was that person ever saved, or can a saved person walk away from the Lord? Like, will the Lord lose his own? That's a huge debate. It's always been in the church, and, and the Bible has a lot to say about it. What I believe is in this moment, he's not just talking about believers. He's talking about unbelievers who profess, or it looks like they have a faith, but it's not a genuine saving faith. It's not a real faith in Jesus. It just resembles one. And so therefore, they're able to fall away. Why? Why do I think that? Well, there's a couple of places that we can go. But I think the first important thing is that, you know, when we come to passages like this, we don't need to be scared. Like, God has them here for a reason. He has something for us this morning from this passage. He wants us to study and to learn from it. And ultimately, this isn't even here for a debate. Like, he wasn't like, oh, man, this is going to give the church something to be busy with, right? Like, they can, <laughs> they can just debate this, and this will keep them occupied for a while. It's not about a debate. This is about people. He has this here so that we would learn and that we would grow and that it would impact us. And so this isn't a hypothetical scenario. This is about real people. And so the key question that I think we need to ask or answer is, are these verses about Christians, those who are saved by Christ, or is this about unbelievers, non-Christians, those who have not been saved by Christ? And as I already said, I believe it's about unbelievers. Let me tell you why. I think first we can look in the greater scope of, of Scripture. We see in the book of John, 
There's a couple places we could go to. But throughout the book of John, there's several times where it says that people believed Jesus. They saw his works. They saw the miracles, and they believed. But then later, they hear his teaching, or they, 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 they hear the call in life, and then it says that they walked away. Right? Like even Jesus, like he, he said, you know, you, if anyone wants to follow me, you must eat my flesh, drink my blood. And the, many of the disciples walked away, not the 12, but many of those that were called disciples walked away and said, the saying is too hard. Who can do this? And so you have people professing this belief that you see then walk away. And so, but, but it's, it's different from the saving faith, this genuine faith, than kind of a professed faith. Um, I think more um, helpful is you kind of look at the very end. We already read it, but those two types of soil Right? Beginning in verse 7, it says there's this land that has drunk the rain. All the land drinks the rain. Like, like God's rain falls on the land indiscriminately. Some of it produces a crop useful. It's cultivated and it receives a blessing. It's, it, it bears fruit. There's harvest that comes out of it. But other land, it bears thistles and thorns, and it's only good to be burned. And so the, the distinction is that there's two types of soil, response of fruit and harvest, and then there's others. So he kind of puts this, this kind of two types of response to, so it's like receiving the good things of God, but then there's different responses in it. Also, we see other promises from Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews 3, um, verse um, 6, it says, but if Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. Uh, verse um, 14 of chapter 3 says, For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. So the idea here is that, and we looked at these you know, several weeks ago, but those that follow Christ will endure to the end. So he's not going to lose those that are his. So he can't you know, unadopt you from his family is the idea. And you'll know that when you see someone enduring to the end. Hebrews 10, 14, if you go forward a few pages. It says, for by a single offering, he has perfected all for all time those who are being sanctified. For the person that he is sanctifying for all time, he is by one offering, right? It's not like he's multiple. He has to go back or be crucified again or kind of, it's like it's, it's once and for all for that person who is being sanctified. And so you see there's the language of Hebrews. And then I think the strongest proof is if we skip ahead to verse 9, it says, Though we speak in this way, yet your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. He's basically saying, like, listen, I know we're speaking about these, these warnings or these, but we don't think that's you. We think there's better things for you, that we have things of salvation for you. We see God at work in you. And so this isn't you yet, but we're, we're sharing this so that you'll be warned by this. And so the idea here is that if, these, if, they've, if they really are the Lord's, then I believe Scripture teaches this, that all that are his will tr someday return to the Lord. And we've seen that. We know of people who have walked away from the Lord. Maybe they wandered, even for years, but then returned to the Lord. And you would say, there's a good chance they were saved that whole time and that, and that God was working in them and bringing them back. If they're not, then we pray that God will draw them to himself and that he will someday save them. So what I believe here is, is it's people who have professed this faith. They've even tasted some of the good things. And I think this can happen to unbelievers, right? It says they've been enlightened. Well, people learn from God and his word all the time. 
They've tasted the heavenly gift. We've had people join us and be a part of this church that have since you know, decided that they didn't want to follow Jesus, but they received something being part of this. Their life was bettered, right? There's, there's blessing that came from it. I mean, even in, in, in Genesis, we see that the Holy Spirit, God worked in, in the life of a pagan, right, um, to take um, uh, Abraham's wife, and, and it says that he protected him from, from sleeping with her. Like, he, he protected her from sin, him from sinning. And so you see this life in, in the, uh, working in the life of an unbeliever. So, like, you see the power of God, like, on the lives of believers, unbelievers, I mean, you can read the word of God and taste the goodness. You can glean truths from it. Many have. I mean, you read business books, and there's so many principles that, like, you're like, man, that's from the Bible, right? Like, like being a servant, like, that's Jesus. That, he he kind of did that, right? He was a great, like, you, you see these things. There's, there's wisdom in the word of God that, that believer or unbeliever, you can glean from. But here's the thing is that they weren't truly following Jesus. And so what's the important thing for us? Well, I think we need to evaluate, are we... Are we satisfied with a surface level kind of cursory belief in Jesus? Or is he really our savior? Is he our Lord? Is he our king? That's the warning here is that, listen, it's, it's easy to profess or look like you can even, you know, you can be moved by a song. You can say prayers. You can even read his word but not truly know him. What did Jesus say to some? He said, depart from me. I never knew you. They were professing faith but didn't know. See, what I don't think this is saying is that someone who's saved tastes these things, walks away, right? What they're doing is they're, they're, they're walking away. It says they're crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him in contempt. It's not saying that he's going to welcome, he's unwilling to welcome them back should they return. One of the ways that we interpret scripture is we take a difficult passage and overlay it with a more easy passage. Last week, we ended with that picture right from Luke 15, right? The parable of the prodigal son that Jesus told. What we see there is that that son walked away, said he wished his dad was dead, took his inheritance, squandered it, and then came back, and then he was welcomed back by his father. So this passage isn't teaching that God's unwilling to welcome those back. He's just saying that maybe you drift so far out that you can't get back. I took some students over to Estonia, and we were at a lake, and um, one of the kids had this idea, hey, let's swim across the lake. And there was a moment where, and, and I was a much better youth leader than this, okay, so don't judge me by what happened. I said, that sounds like a great idea. Let's do it. And we started swimming across this lake. Now, we didn't have, like, life jackets on or anything like that. Well, we got, like, not very far from shore, and I started looking around, and I was feeling, like, I'm feeling winded, and I'm like, man, this is a lot further than I thought, right? And I, like, all of a sudden, like, my, you know, leader hat kicked in, and I'm like, guys, this was a stupid decision. There ain't no way I'm making it, and I'm not going to tell your parents, like, what happened, you know, if, we, if you don't make it, we're turning around, we're going back. Because what I recognized was is that there was going to be a time when we were going to get so far out, and I didn't think we were going to make it to the other side, that, but if we got too far out that I didn't know if we'd make it back, I knew I wasn't going to. Here's the thing. We don't know where that line is. As you walk away from the Lord, there's, I don't know where that line is. But there is a line at which point you're not getting back. That's the warning here. It's like, don't drift. Stay close. And again, if you know Christ, if he has saved you, he's not going to let you go beyond that point. But if it's just a surface level, 
cursory, unaffected kind of professed belief, well, then that's not going to be enough to sustain you, and you will get to that point. That's the warning of this passage. And the reality is, is that we don't know when someone is at that line. I don't know. You don't know. So the call then is to trust now, repent today, follow Jesus today. Because you don't know. You have today. You don't know. Respond today. We're going to get more into this fourth one. I just want to give you this point. We're going to unpack this more next week. This is intentional. But the fourth point is this, is that your maturity in Christ is your sustenance. Your maturity in Christ is your sustenance. We see this in verse 9. It says, though we speak in this way, let your case, beloved. Yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown in his name and serving the saints as you still do, we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the same full assurance of hope to the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. As we grow and we develop in our maturity, it is the thing that sustains us through the storms. It is the thing that carries us through. It is the thing that leads to life and godliness. Through faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. And again, we're going to come to more of this, but this is the, the, the point of this passage is, is that there is salvation in store for those who trust Christ Jesus. So listen, I don't know where you're at in your maturity. I don't know if you've just tasted and you've had some mac and cheese and some nuggets Right? You're kind of munching on that. But the call is this, is that's not going to be enough to sustain you. You need to look to the deep truth of who Jesus Christ is and trust him fully. He's asking you to go all in. So that would be the first response I would say, is that have you made that leap of faith with Jesus? Have you trusted him as your savior? Have you believed that your works aren't enough to save you, that you need his blood poured out for you? to forgive and to save? Have you trusted him and him alone for salvation? That's a response that we're all called to. But the other side of it is this. I know that as I was talking about the people that have walked away, for many of us, there was a, a face, a name. We have friends, we have loved ones that we've seen in this place. That at one point, at one point, they, they, they professed a faith. And now they're in a spot that it seems like they're drifting away. And we don't know if they're going to come back. It's so hard. It's so hard. And I see the request, and I know many of you are praying for those people. But what I want to do today is I want to pray for those people in your life that are in that spot. Because I think most of us can think of someone there's children in this room. There's parents in this room. There's siblings in this room. There's close friends in this room. There are people that we know that we are trusting and believing that God is going to draw them back. Let's pray toward that end. So can we do this? If you have someone in your life that you want to pray for, that you want to say, they've, they at one point, 
look like they, this. They tasted this, but they've now, it seems, moved away. If you have someone in your life that you want to be prayed for, could you just stand up? I want to pray for them today. I have some loved ones in my life as well. If you look around this room, this isn't a theological debate. This touches people. And God is not willing that any should perish, right? He wants all to receive him. And so let's pray to this end that he would draw that person that you're praying for today back to himself. That he will move in their heart. That he will show them afresh, anew of who he is. That he would use those around. Let me just pray. God, we come before you and we acknowledge, Lord, that you have the power to save. God, you've done everything through your son Jesus to make a way of salvation. Lord, there are many that we know here in this room, God, that seem to have tasted, but Lord, have walked away. God, we ask that you would move in their hearts. God, I pray that you would give us a boldness to speak truth. God, that you would give us discernment of how to show love. God, that you would give us a confidence of who you are and the way that you are working, and God, that you would respond. God, that you would draw to yourself. Lord, I ask that you would bring these men, these women, these children to repentance. God, that they would see and know who you are and that they would respond in belief. God, thank you that you welcome, in the name of Jesus, all who would come. God, yours is the name of life. God, yours is the name where we find forgiveness. And so, Jesus, we come to you and we plead with you. God, we ask that you would work in the hearts and lives of these people as only you can. God, I pray this in the powerful name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen.